0: Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! Hey everyone, Ryan here. We are now in part two of our new series, Inside the Outside. This series is dedicated to presenting us ways to help read and interpret the Bible, understanding what it is and how we should read it. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or any other social media platforms, please give us a like and follow on our page at Bridge Churches to stay up to date and what's happening in and around our church. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's jump right in. Hey, you know what? I just heard something crazy and I just got to share it with you before we jump in. I just heard, this is mind blowing, that and this may mean absolutely nothing to you, especially depending on your age, but this is crazy. Our church, the bridge, our church has the largest Facebook following of any church in Canada. Can you believe that? That's incredible. Um, yeah, Uh, shocking, um, but it's just amazing that that, that's because of you. And and when there's content on Facebook, for those of you that, you know, it's the old people newspaper, uh, that's what the young people tell me. But if you're on Facebook and you see our our posts and those things, and you share that and you make that accessible and you share clips, there are people all over Canada who are engaging with that content and the message that we're trying to share together as a church. And so I just want to say thank you to you for doing that. I want to say a huge shout out and thank you to Angela, who's on our staff team, who, who curates our social media, and she's just doing an incredible job. So can we give her just a round um, of applause for, for, for just leveraging that tool um, as a way of spreading the gospel and sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so I just think that that's amazing that a church like ours is making an impact with the gospel in the digital world, in the digital space. And so I just think that's, that's huge and something worth celebrating. Okay, today, as Chris said, we're jumping in uh, to part two of this series, Inside the Outside. And if you're joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, time you missed last week for one reason or another, I would highly encourage you uh, to go on our, our YouTube channel or the on-demand section of our webpage. You can download our weekly podcast, lots of different options, however you choose to do it. Please take in last week's message sometime because I think it's really going to help you, um, especially in light of what we're talking about today and is in this series. And for those of you, again, missed last week, you have no idea what we're talking about. Basically in this series, what we're talking about is you, not me, but you experiencing the Bible for yourself. Um, that the goal of this series, the hope, my prayer for this series is that everyday people like us would be able to experience the Bible every single day. And and I'm hoping to do that. And and the question kind of came out last week, and you might even be having it if you just kind of heard that now, and you're like, okay, but how? How do I do that? That's the kind of the question I get asked is how do I actually start? Where do I actually start? How do I get inside the outside of the Bible? And that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about today. And I wanna kind of continue on talking about two things. Um, My hope in this series is to both inspire you and equip you. I wanna inspire you to engage and to approach the Bible. For those of you that have been you know, attending church for years, maybe most of your life, um, if you would call yourself a Christian and you'd say, I've been a Christian you know, as long as I can remember, but maybe your Bible is actually something that's collecting dust on your shelf. It's an app on your phone that you never use. Um, if that's you, my hope is that in this series that you would be inspired to get inside the outside of the Bible again, maybe for the first time in a long time. And for those of you who are new to church, more importantly, new to faith, you have no context for the Bible. You've never read the Bible, had no interest in reading the Bible. My hope is that somehow through this series, you would be inspired to give it a shot. That I, And I wanna do that because I believe that the Bible is God's word that I truly believe with all of my heart that as you engage with scripture, that the Holy Spirit of God will actually speak to you through what you read in the scriptures. Uh, I believe that no matter the situation, the circumstance, or the season of your life, God has something to say for you, about you, and he wants to use the scriptures to say those things to you. And so I hope that in this series you'll be inspired, but I don't just wanna inspire you because, and you know this, inspiration will only take you so far. That inspiration in and of itself, it doesn't last. And so I want to inspire you, but I also want to equip you. I want to give you practical tools that will help you follow through what I'm trying to inspire you to do. And so to do that, I'm going to kind of continue where I left off last week talking about two things specifically. I want to talk about technique and I want to talk about posture. Technique being your ability to read and understand the basics of what it is you're reading. And really the posture being the posture or the attitude of your mind and of your heart as you approach the Scriptures. That's what I'm hoping to talk about. And these two things are so important that I want to begin there. And I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that was written by a man named James. Now, for those of you who don't know who James is, you have no idea, you've never heard about James. James was actually the brother of Jesus. And we have a book in the New Testament that was written by James called... James, right. How original is that, right? It's like, wow, James. And and this is an incredible book. Um, If you've never read it, James, the brother of Jesus, he talks about a number of different things. He talks about how to talk to people. He talks about how angry people can get sometimes and how we should listen to people, lots of practical stuff. But then James talks about the importance of scripture. And as he does, he pairs together these two ideas of technique and posture. And what he says is so profound and it's so powerful that I wanna start there today because I think it serves as the foundation of what we're gonna talk about for the rest of our time together today. So here's what James has to say. He says, don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen to it. Don't just read it. And the reason that James says, don't just listen to it is because in his day, um, the Bible wasn't as accessible as it is today. There weren't as many copies in circulation as there are today. People just couldn't get their hands on a Bible as easily as you and I can today. And not only that, if they could, the majority of people in James's day, they were illiterate. And so what would happen is they would actually go to the temple, a church like ours, and they would hear the scriptures being read. And so with that in mind, James is approaching his audience and he's saying, hey, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. That if you just come to the Bible and you read it with no desire or willingness to do what it says, it's really just information. And information isn't really that great. It doesn't do anything in your life. It's just about checking a box and feeling guilty because I go to church that I should read the Bible and oh yeah, I really should do that. And it's about checking the box and I just kind of got to get through this and I got to slug my way through these verses. It's really not about transformation. And James is saying, if you approach the scriptures that way, really at the end of the day, the only person you're fooling is yourself. And he goes on to say, for if you listen to God's word, and you listen to the word and you, uh, sorry, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. James is saying, if you kind of get up in the morning and you go in, you have a shower, and you come out, and your hair's, I mean, if you have hair, it's, it's every which way, and then you look in the mirror and you smile and you got stuff all in your teeth because you forgot to brush your teeth, and you're like, yeah, I'm good, and you walk out the door, James is saying, you're, you're a hot mess. And in a similar way, if you kind of approach the scriptures, the scriptures are meant to be a mirror for you to see yourself as you really are. And if you come to the scriptures and you just kind of look at it and you you kind of glance at it quickly and you walk away with no desire to do what it says, you're really fooling yourself that ultimately you're essentially wasting your time. But he says, if you look carefully, if you look carefully with a little bit of technique, which I'm gonna talk about today, and don't worry, I'm not gonna turn you all into seminary students. Uh, The the goal isn't here, you know, like we're gonna exegete a bunch of Greek and we're not gonna do all that. Um, But the goal is to give you some technique as you approach the scripture. He says, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, because the scriptures are meant to set you free, And I know that some of your resistance to the scripture, this may be true for you, you think that inside the outside of the Bible is just a bunch of rules, it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, it's just a bunch of regulations, when in reality, what's in the outside of the outside of the Bible is freedom. It's life for your life. That that no matter what is or isn't happening in your life, there is life for your life in the scriptures. And I think the truth is, is that many times it's because we don't know what the scripture says or at times because we don't do what the scriptures say, that's actually what shackles us. It's not the rules in the Bible. It's our inability or unwillingness to do what the Bible says. It shackles us to past, to guilt, to regret, to shame, to debt, to bad relationships, unhealthy marriages. All these things are because of our unwillingness or our not knowing what the Bible has to say. And James saying, listen, if you want to experience life in your life, the instruction manual is right here, but you have to be willing to do what it says. And if you are, it will set you free. He continues, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James, the brother of Jesus is saying, if you come to the scripture, not just for information, but if you come to scripture with a posture in your heart that says, I want to be transformed If you come with that heart desire, God will speak to you through the scriptures. And if you're willing to do it, James says that God has something special for you you say, God has something special for me, sign me up, where do I start? And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. Where do you start? How do you start with the scriptures? Well, this is gonna sound really unspiritual, but hopefully it's helpful and practical. The first thing that you need to do, if you wanna engage the scriptures, if you wanna experience the Bible for yourself, the first thing that you need to do is you need to choose a translation that you can understand. Not very spiritual, Right? you need to choose a translation. I'm going to show you how to do that, or at least one of the ways to do that in just a few moments. But you need to understand that the Bible was not written in our English language. It has been translated into our English language. It was originally written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And over the course of history, it's been translated into our English language. And there are a number of different translations that are available to us. There are word for word translations. There are thought for thought translations. And you need to choose for yourself a translation that you can understand. And after you do that, you need to choose a format that you can engage with easily. Believe it or not, there are ways to experience, there are ways to read the Bible without reading the Bible and I'm gonna show you some of those options today. In fact, I'm gonna show you an option that I use quite frequently. But before I do that, I wanna share with you something that we don't talk about enough around here. And that is the Uversion Bible app. Uh, many of you have that, many of you've never heard of that, but you all have a smartphone. And so this is an opportunity for you. You can download this app. If you want an answer to the question, how do I choose a translation that I can understand? How do I pick a format that I can engage with easily? This is a great place to start. So what you do is you grab your your phone, your tablet, whatever kind of device you use. You go to the app store of your choice and you look for that little icon, the Holy Bible. How clear is that, right? So you get that app, you download it, and when you open it up, you're going to see something that looks like this. This is John chapter three. This is a screenshot right off my phone. John chapter three, verse one. Down here, there are red letters. Those are the words of Jesus. So in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, when you read those and you see words in red, those are the words of Jesus. We're bringing distinction to his words and what he had to say. Up here at the top, you're going to see this little NLT. That means the New Living Translation. That's the translation I use more often than not in this setting. Um, I use and read a number of different translations. Sometimes when I'm speaking to you, I might use a different one. And when I do, I always make note of that. But for the most part, I use the New Living Translation. And what happens for you um, is if you were to click on that NLT, it would bring up a, a pop open menu where you would have access to all of the different translations that are available to you. There are so many, and there are so many options for you to experiment with, to find an option that, that suits you the best suits you the most, that you can understand the easiest. And I do this all the time. I do a lot of reading in the New Living Translation, but many times, like even John 3, I'll take that. I'll read that in the New Living Translation. And then I'll read a few other translations because hearing the same thing with a little bit of a different nuance kind of brings things to life and brings certain thoughts and and words to the forefront. And so I do that all the time and would encourage you to do that. But just experiment with the different translations and find one that is the easiest for you to understand and connect with. Um, If you're somebody who doesn't like to read, because let's be honest, there are those of us that don't like to read. You might read a Facebook post, but other than that, you're like, I'm not a reader. I don't like to read. I don't care to read. If that's you, if you click this little button over here, this little music symbol or sound symbol, it will actually read it to you. And I use this all the time, all the time. And when I'm preparing for a message, when I'm preparing to share with you, I'll read the scripture. But oftentimes in my own personal time with God, I will sit in silence, believe it or not. And I'll just just listen to it because I have to separate it out. I wanna have a personal relationship with God, not just one where I'm sharing with you all the time. So many times to separate it out, I'll learn about the Bible, I learn about God, and I read it when I'm trying to share with you, but for my own time, I want to, and I can have a relationship with God. So to separate the two out, to have distinction in that in my life, I oftentimes just listen to it. I would encourage you to do the same. If you go over here to the top right-hand corner, that's, there's that little search bar, and if you click that, this isn't a touch screen, but uh, we're not there yet. But if, if you were to do that, you can search a lot of different things. You can type in anything, anxiety, depression, you can search money, marriage, parenting, like whatever thing you can think of or anything you have questions about, you can type that in there and search that. But in this case, when I'm in John chapter three and I just hit that search button, it brings up related videos to the subject or to the, to the passage of scripture that I'm reading. And for those of you that are on my um, email newsletter list, um, I sent some resources out this week. This was a part of it. I got some more stuff coming your way this week. Really excited about that. But this is from the Bible Project, an incredible organization that does amazing things. And this is just a summary of John chapter 1 through 12. And it's like an eight or nine minute video. And you can watch this summary of John 1 through 12. It's incredible. You can slide over here. There's the Jesus Film Project. There's uh, clips from the show, The Chosen, which I highly recommend. And basically you can watch clips um, from the show based on the passage of scripture that you're reading. It's an incredible thing. So if you want to listen to it, um, you want to watch videos on it, you want to experiment with different translations, you want to read it, there's so many different options. Even if you're somebody who doesn't like to read, there's lots of different ways for you to experiment, different formats for you to experiment with to engage and approach the scriptures. Now, as you do, Here's the thing that I need you to understand. I want you to know something, and this is, this is really, really important. Um, all scripture, the entire Bible, all scripture is divinely inspired. And, and we talked about that last week uh, to get everybody on the same page. Uh, last week, we talked about how the Bible is divinely inspired, that the apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he actually wrote to a young man named Timothy that he was mentoring. And he said, all scripture is divinely inspired. All scripture is God breathed. And he went on to say that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That everything in this world, everything in this life that is good and worth doing, the Bible is divinely inspired and is present to equip you to do all of those good things. It's divinely inspired, but, but it is not equally accessible or readily applicable. Now, what do I mean by that? when you read the scriptures, you're gonna come across certain parts that are gonna make you shake your head. You're gonna come across maybe a list, a genealogy, okay? And when you read a genealogy, a list of like a family tree, when you read that, chances are, you're not gonna be inspired to change your life, right? You're gonna read that and be like, why in the world is that there? There are gonna be Old Testament laws that you're gonna read about that don't really apply to us. You're gonna read things about bringing offerings of yeast and honey. Probably not a burning issue for you, right? You're gonna read that and go, that's, what do I do with that? I mean, God can speak to you through it all, but it's not equally accessible or applicable. That that's not as applicable as cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you, right? When Peter writes that, that's pretty accessible and it's pretty applicable, okay? Okay. So God can speak to you through it all, but it's not always, and it's simple to apply or to express or to experience, okay? And you need to understand that there's a little bit of a difference. Now, for those of you that are ready and jumping in, you're like, okay, I got a translation I can understand and I got a format that that is easily accessible for me. Where do I start? What do I do? I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute, but before I do, I wanna share with you the number one mistake that people make when they read the Bible, by far, By far. The number one mistake people make when they read the Bible is they read the Bible out of context. They read the Bible out of context. They take a verse or a passage of scripture and they pull it out without looking at what's around it. They take it completely out of context. And this is important. When you approach the scriptures, when you begin to read the scriptures, you have to approach it, you have to read it in its context. Now, this is incredibly important. What do I mean by this? Let me put it this way. Context is to scripture what location is to real estate, okay? So if you're buying a house, I don't care how nice, how beautiful that house is. If it's in a bad or if it's in a rough neighborhood, it's really not worth that much, okay? You've heard it said, what is the key to real estate? It's location, 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 right? Any, per, any person in real estate is gonna tell you it's location, location, location. In a similar way, when you approach the scripture, the key to approaching scripture is context, context, context. What is the context? What am I reading? Where am I finding it? What is the history? What is the background? You need to know the context. Why? Well, the reason that context is so important is that because people over the years, and maybe in some cases, the people in your life, there are times in your life where people maybe have taken verses of scripture out of context and they've manipulated them to say what they want them to say. The Nazis did this. People who were trying to reinforce slavery did this. They took out verses and they manipulated them. And when you take verses, when you approach the scripture out of context, it's highly, highly dangerous. It can be harmful, it can be hurtful. And to show you just how important this is, what I wanna do for the next few moments, if you'll indulge me, I wanna take a passage of scripture, a famous passage of scripture, and I want to, hopefully you'll still like me when I'm done with this, I wanna put it in its proper context. You ready for that? Let's see how this works. So we're gonna, famous passage, Philippians chapter four, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Some translations, the translation you read may say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Athletes write this on their shoes. Some people have this as a tattoo. Some of you are getting nervous right now. Um, You know, you see this all the time and people quote this verse all the time. And what they do is they pull this verse out and they say, I can do all things. I can do anything. I can do everything. I can have any job. I can make any kind of money because of Christ. That I, I could stand up here and say, I can be an astronaut. Probably not. Um, I don't have the stomach for it, right? But, uh, but I can do all things. I can do everything. Can I do everything? What is this verse saying? Well, the context for Philippians chapter four, verse 13 is not just Philippians four, but it's the book of Philippians altogether, which was originally a letter written by the apostle Paul to a church like ours in a place called Philippi. Now, what was happening when Paul was writing that letter is he was actually in prison, He had been preaching the gospel. He had been preaching the message of Christ to the people around him. And he was imprisoned for it, literally put in shackles for it. And it was likely he was gonna be killed for it. He's finding himself being persecuted for his faith, persecuted for preaching the gospel. And in the midst of this, he writes this letter to this group of believers. And he says, I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is he saying? He's saying, I can endure these things. What I'm experiencing right now, as hurtful as it is, I can endure this, I can get through this because of Christ who gives me strength. I can endure all things that I'm experiencing right now because Jesus is the one that I wanna honor and Jesus is the one that is leading my life. He's not saying, yeah, I'm in prison right now, but I can still be a millionaire because Jesus gives me strength. That's not what he's saying. And see, many times we pull this verse out and we make it a success verse. That if I just, you know, because of Christ, I can do anything and I can accomplish anything. That's not what Paul is saying. And when we take that verse out of its context, when we take that verse and we just kind of want to blanket it and make it a success verse, what happens in when everything doesn't happen in our lives, we throw up our hands and we say, see, the scripture isn't true. God isn't real. We start to second guess our faith and question all these things because we've taken the verse out of context. See how this works? If you don't, I wanna try another example and hopefully I can get through this message without somebody throwing something at me. Um, But we'll look at another famous verse. Look at this one. For where two or three gather in my name, I am with them. Hear this verse quoted all the time. You maybe have heard this verse when people have a gathering and almost no people come. Um, And and maybe you've experienced that. You've been to, you know, it's like, well, we two or three are gathered, so Jesus is here, right? Like maybe it's at a Bible study or at a small group or something like that. Nobody comes and it's like, well, And maybe you've wrestled with this, right? You've shown up to a Bible study and somebody says that. It's like, okay, when two or three of us are gathered, he's with us. So does that mean when I'm alone, he's not with me? Um, And is it two or three? Because I want to make sure I get this right. Like, what does this mean? Well, the context for this is Matthew 18. And Matthew 18 is about what to do when one Jesus follower sees an other Jesus follower who is making poor decisions. And Matthew 18 would say, if you see someone like that, that you or I have a responsibility to go to that person and talk to them about it. That if I have a friend in my life who claims to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but I can see that alcohol is an issue in their life um, and that maybe it's almost on the verge of becoming an addiction in their life, that it's really the thing that's leading their life. Matthew 18 says that I have a responsibility to go to that person in love and say, listen, I, I love you. I see what's going on in your life. I see, what, I see what's happening. And when I look at the scriptures, like, I don't want this for you. I love you. I care about you. Can we talk about how I can help you and come alongside you and help you get through this, help you get past this? And if they say, I'm not interested, I don't have a problem, then Matthew 18 says that I'm to go to two or three other followers of Jesus and to come back to that person in love and that together the two or three of us would confront that person and challenge them to make a better decision. And what Matthew 18 verse 20 is saying in that context is that when two or three are gathered, having hard conversations about making better decisions in life, Jesus is with them. Well, that means something really different than what people say that verse means, right? See, it's all about context, context, context. What is the context of what you're reading? And I know what you're thinking right now. I know you're thinking, well, Scott, I didn't go to seminary. Like, I know you studied Greek and Hebrew, but I didn't. I am not a, you know, a you know, PhD in the scriptures. I don't know all these things. How am I supposed to know the context of the scripture? That's a great question. And to answer that, I wanna give you two questions that you can ask of yourself when you read the scriptures to help you identify the context. But before I do that, here's the important thing that you need to know about the scriptures. The, the Bible is a collection of books that tell a unified story that points to Jesus, the Bible is a collection, it is a library of books that, are, that have been put together, that tell a unified story that point us to Jesus. The Bible is not a book. It is a collection of many books put together that are divinely inspired, that tell a unified story that point us to Jesus. And so when you understand that, one of the first questions you should ask yourself when trying to read the Bible and experience the Bible for yourself, one of the questions you should ask yourself is, what am I reading? What am I reading? The teachers in the room would call this the literary context, okay? What am I reading? And you're thinking, what, what do you mean by this? So I wanna show you. I have this table of books. This is from the Landry Library. And um, there are 66 books on this table. And from this moment on, I want you to think of the Bible like this because the Bible has 66 books in it. There are 39 books that make up the Old Testament that predates Jesus. And then there are 27 books um, that highlight Jesus and the early church. And one of the first questions you need to ask yourself when you approach this collection of books is, what am I reading? Understanding what you're reading will impact the way that you approach whatever it is you're reading. And what I mean by that is this. This right here um, is a, a manual for our espresso machine at home. Now, if I were to read a manual, I would, well, actually, I wouldn't read a manual. I'm a man. Um, I probably... I would, yeah, I would, probably, I would probably read a manual after I realized I should have read a manual. Um, but I would read that manual different than I would read this Calvin and Hobbes book, okay? Um, Calvin and Hobbes, big fan of Calvin and Hobbes. I like picture books. Um, that's great. But I'm gonna read that Calvin and Hobbes book differently than I'm gonna read this hymnal, this collection of old uh, church songs. I'm gonna read that very, very differently than I'm gonna read that. Different from I'm gonna read this um, wonderful Lord of the Rings uh, collection or this Avengers um, Or this Sam the Cooking Guy cooking book Or this uh, romance novel That's Lisa's Um, (laughs) But I'm going to read that book differently Than I'm going to engage this picture album Of our son Parker right? So depending on on what I'm reading, it's going to change the way I approach that book or how I'm going to view it or how I'm going to read it, how I'm going to experience it. And when you approach the library of books, the Bible, these 66 books, when you approach them, you have to know what is it I'm reading. And when you come to the scriptures in the 66 books of the Bible, there are essentially three categories of literature, you're gonna read one of three different kinds of literature. You're gonna read um, a discourse, you're gonna read poetry, and you're gonna read narrative. Okay, narrative, poetry, and discourse. And you need to ask yourself, what is it I'm reading? Because how, what it is you're reading is gonna approach how you read it. Narrative makes up about, what do we say? 43% of the Bible. Narrative being story, um, being historical, you know, context and, you know, writing, all those kind of things. That makes up that percentage of the Bible. Poetry, song, 33%. Discourse, logic, writing that's, you know, challenging you and teaching you, that makes up 24%. You have to ask yourself, what is it I'm reading? Because when you know what you're reading, you know how to read it, right? When you know what you're reading, you know how to read it. This is so important. So one of the first questions you need to ask yourself when you're approaching the Bible, if you wanna experience the Bible for yourself, ask yourself, what is it that I'm reading? The second question you need to ask yourself is really important. It's this, where am I in the story? Now we would call this the narrative context. Where am I in the story? And this is so important. You have to know where you are in the story. Um, Years ago, um, I was in Atlanta uh, with my father-in-law, Alan. We were at a conference together. and, And during our off time, we went to the movies to see Avengers Infinity War. Now, those that know me would tell you I'm a huge Marvel Comics fan. I've been reading and collecting Marvel Comics since I was a kid. Um, I was totally captivated and have been by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've watched all the movies uh, for ten years, a decade worth of movies. I was highly invested and was watching these movies and these stories of the, these compelling stories of these characters and what they were doing, and it was all building. All of these individual story arcs were all coming together to this crescendo of Avengers: Infinity War, and I I was so excited, had to see it opening day. So I asked Alan, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. And so we go to the movie and I mean, I was so excited. I could, I was ready to go. I had my big popcorn and my big gulp pop, you know, in the States they're way bigger than we can get them here. It's like a bladder buster, it's like this big. And and I was ready to sit down for this epic movie. I was so excited, I was so invested. And when the screens came alive and the credits rolled and the Marvel logo came, I was so excited. I laughed, I cried. I was on the edge of my seat and I looked over at Alan This man had no sweet clue what was happening. He hadn't seen any of the movies. He didn't know any of the characters. He had no idea what was happening. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know where the characters had been, what they were going through, why the stakes in this moment were so high. He was just sitting there like, I don't know, almost asleep. And on the other hand, I was over here on the edge of my seat, just completely captivated, walked out of the movie with a heart full, my mind blown. And I looked over to Alan and I said, What did you think? He's like, I like the raccoon, right? (laughs) Like he had nothing. He got nothing out of it. It was a complete waste of time because he did not understand the complexity of the story. He had no idea where we came into the story. He didn't know the characters. He didn't know their arcs. He didn't know all these different things that would have made this story speak to him. And when you come to the scripture, you have to ask yourself, where am I in this bigger story, this unified story that points to Jesus? Where am I in this story? This is so important in this library, in this collection of writings that is divinely inspired that points to Jesus. Where am I in this thing? This is so important. So what I wanna do, I wanna share with you something that was put together by a theologian named N.T. Wright. I find this really helpful. He talks about this five-act story of the Bible. It looks something like this. Where am I in the story? And N.T. Wright would say that you have five acts in the Bible. You have act one, which is creation, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and, and he talks about you know the days of creation and what God did and, 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 and how he made humanity, Adam and Eve beginning there. And it's this beautiful story that ends in tragedy in act two, where we have what's referred to as the fall. This is where Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They stepped outside the guardrails that God had established in the garden. And when they did so, they brought sin into the garden, into their lives and into humanity. And from that moment on, God began to do something, a redemptive process that he began with a man named Abram, which begins act three, Israel. And through a man named Abram, he birthed the nation of Israel. And the rest of the third act, the rest of the Old Testament is about Israel and how they followed God. And then they did their own thing and they got away from following God and God forgave them. And then they got back on the train and they started following God again, but then they got off the rails again and they did their, sound familiar, right? And so they're doing this whole thing and this continues on, continues on, continues on until eventually we're two months away from celebrating the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That act four, the New Testament begins with Jesus coming to earth, walking as one of us amongst us, showing what God looks like in flesh and blood. He gives his life, is raised from the dead, leaves us and leaves the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles, the disciples, and Act 5 begins with the early church. And as you read Act 5, you see the history of the early church. You see that they took, they went on to spreading the message of the Messiah to the known world. And Act 5 is where we are today. Act 5 is where we are living today. We are the continuation of that story. And what we're doing today is what they did in this in this in this five acts, what's amazing, it's so incredibly interesting to me, is each act looks to the previous act for context. So when you look at the early church in act five and you read about the early church, the things that they're saying, the things that they're talking about, they're referencing act four. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about what they heard, what they saw, the things that happened. What did Jesus want? What does Jesus desire? What does following Jesus look like? That's what act five is looking to. When you see Jesus, when you see the disciples, when you see the Pharisees and religious leaders, when you see the people of that day, they are looking back to act three and they're talking about Israel. They're talking about where they've come from. They're asking questions. Even Jesus himself says, you've heard it said. And he refers back to the previous act. So each act is looking to the previous act for context as they improvise what they're gonna do next. And that's where we are today. We are in act five and we are looking to the previous acts for context. Where have we come from as we improvise where we're going next? What does it look like to be the church today in 2023? We look to what's come before us for the context. We look to the story, the bigger story as we try to figure out where we are and where we've come from so we can discern where to go next. And you're thinking, wow, what does, why does this all matter, right? That's what you're asking. Why does this matter? Scott, why, you seem a little bit hyper about this, a little passionate about this. Why are you so into this? Why do you care if I get the translation I can understand? Why do you care if I have any technique? Why are you telling me all about this context? Because it's not just about technique. It's also about posture, posture. Technique and posture, where these two things intersect is where you begin to experience the Bible for yourself. Technique is all about the external story. It's all about the external story. What has come before? Where in the story am I? What is it that I'm reading? What is the context? What am I trying to figure out? What is the bigger story? But what happens is the more you develop and understand, the more you develop technique and understand what you're reading and understanding this external big story that God has been writing, eventually you are confronted with your internal story. And when those two things intersect, you begin to experience the Bible for yourself. When the external story and your internal story intersect, God begins to speak to you through the scriptures because you realize that this big story that God has been writing has implications for you in your internal story. And here's the thing that I know about you and I. We are story-making machines. We love story. We are wired for story. We constantly tell ourselves stories. Have you ever noticed that? You tell yourself stories about your past. You tell yourself stories about your future. You tell yourself stories about your finances and your relationships, right? Oftentimes we tell ourselves stories to justify the behavior that we're doing. You ever notice that? Well, the reason I'm doing this is because she did that and let me tell you the story, right? The reason I'm doing it, oh, if you knew what he was like, you'd under, let me tell you the story. Or my teacher has it out for me. She, she's just wheels off. Let me tell you the story. My boss is a buffoon. You have absolutely no idea how incompetent this person is. Let me tell you the story. Have you ever noticed we're the hero in the stories we tell ourselves? You ever notice that? We are always the center of the story we tell ourselves because we believe it's gonna give us meaning because meaning and purpose are what we're longing for. And so we tell ourselves all these stories. One day when I do this, one day when I get there, one day when we have that, someday she's gonna be the wife I thought she was gonna be. Someday he's gonna grow up and be the husband I thought he was gonna be. Someday our kids are gonna figure things out, right? We tell ourselves all these kinds of stories. Oh, I don't have to take responsibility for that because let me tell you the story. That's not really our fault. Let me tell you the story. We are story-making machines, And as you begin to experience the Bible for yourself with a little bit of technique and with a posture of openness in your heart, when you begin to approach that, eventually this bigger external story is going to intersect with your internal story, and you are going to be confronted with this question Are you willing, are you open to submitting yourself to the larger story that God is writing? Are you willing? Are you open to submitting yourself to the larger, the broader, the bigger story that God is writing? Are you willing to come to the scripture, the mirror of scripture and see yourself as you really are? And are you willing, do you have the courage not to walk away, but to allow it to confront you and say, what does this mean for me? What is this asking of me? What does this require of me? See, when you do that, that's when you begin to experience the Bible Yourself, James says, you don't just hear it. You don't just read it. You do what it says. You start asking yourself, what does this mean? What's the story, God, you want to write through my marriage? For some of us, that means you gotta stop complaining about your wife. You need to start serving your wife. You need to write a different story. And for all of us, it's gonna mean different things. When you come to the scriptures and what they have to say about your children, when you come to the scriptures and you read what it has to say about your finances, When you come to the scriptures and you read about the mission of the church and how critical it is. When you come to the scriptures and you read about your career and all these different things, you're gonna be confronted, not just with what's gonna happen in my story, but what is God trying to do with this bigger story? And how do I play a part in that? This act five that God is still writing, what is my role in that? God, what are you asking of me to be a part of that? See, when you start asking yourself those questions, you begin to experience the Bible. And here's what I know. Your story, my story, finds its greatest meaning when lived in the context of God's bigger story. Your life, I promise you, will find its greatest meaning when lived out in the context of God's bigger story. And I gotta be honest with you and tell you that this has landed for me in so many different ways and in so many different seasons of my life. 10 years ago, when I came to this church, I was excited to be a part of this church, this community that was really intentional in desiring to build irresistible bridges between unchurched people and Jesus. I didn't wanna just go to church. I didn't wanna just play church. I wanted to be a part of a church that really wanted to reach unchurched people, that was excited to be a part of a church that has a reach across Canada, to be a part of a church that wanted to see people who were far from God feel safe, where they could come in and feel like they belong before they believe. I wanted to be a part of that and I was so excited. And as I have been, there've been times where I've read the scripture and I've asked myself, God, what does my story have to do with this bigger story that you're trying to write through this church? And there were times that that meant different things for me. There were times where it it caused me to read the scriptures and what it had to say about my finances and what I needed to do And God was saying, that part of your story, Scott, is being a part of this bigger story. And I want you to honor me with this area of your life. And I have told you what I've called you to do and to give and how I want you to be generous. Now, what are you gonna do with that? And if I'm honest, there've been times over the last 10 years when I've been jealous of many of you. There've been times where I've wanted to go do certain things. There've been times where I've wanted to have a bigger house. And I've been envious and I've seen people move into nicer houses and I'm like, oh man, I'd love to be able to do that. And I could, but behind closed doors, Lisa and I have had the conversations that in order to do that, we would have to be unfaithful in this area with our finances in order to make that happen. And we're just not willing to do that. And so God's bigger story that he's trying to write has implications for my personal story. And when I experience the scriptures, I'm confronted with where those two things intersect and I have to make a choice. Am I gonna do what the scriptures have called me to do or am I gonna do my own thing? And if I do my own thing, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting what I look like. And the same will be true for you. And I don't know what that will look like for you. I really don't. It may implicate your marriage. It may implicate your career. It may implicate your parenting may implicate some of the behaviors that you partake of. I don't know what it's gonna mean for you. But what I do know is that if you have some technique to understand what you're reading, and if you have the posture of your heart that is desiring transformation, not just more information, I promise you God's bigger story is gonna intersect with your personal story. And when that happens, you will have choices to make. And my prayer for you is that you would have the courage not just to hear or to read, but to do what God through the scriptures is calling us to do. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever that looks like for you, your story finds its greatest meaning, its greatest purpose when lived in the context of this bigger story that God's writing. I believe that with all of my heart. So to help you figure out what that looks like in your life, here's what I want you to do this week. Something simple. I want you to come back next week. Next week, I'm gonna do something I've never done in a message. I'm gonna do it next week. Can't wait. Hope you'll be back for that. But between now and then, here's what I want you to do for the next seven days. I want you to ask yourself three questions. I want you to get out your Bible, whether it's on your phone, whether it's a physical copy of the Bible, and I want you to read. I want you to open it, I want you to read. And you're saying, where do I start? Start in John. Just start in John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read, the, read John. Just read a little bit each day. It Could be five, 10 minutes, however long. Just a few minutes. But as you read, I want you to ask yourself three questions. I want you to ask, what am I reading? Is this narrative? Is this poetry? Is this discourse? Like, what is this? What is it I'm reading? What, what, what type of literature is this? Start there. The second thing I want you to do is ask, where in the story am I reading? Where is this in the story I'm reading? Where is this in this unified story that points to Jesus? Because knowing where I am in the story helps me understand what do the people in this moment know? What have they experienced? What have they come from? What do they not know that's going to happen? What have they not seen? Where am I in this story? Because it will help me understand where I am and what it may have to say to me in the midst of my circumstance. And then, oh, and then ask yourself, what what is this asking me to do? Or what is this asking me to change? And if you will have the courage, not just to see yourself in the mirror of scripture, but if you were actually willing to do what it says, I promise you, you will be blessed and God will speak to you through the scriptures. And you will be a part of a story that is so much bigger than you and a story that is so much greater than any story you could try to convince yourself is true. I've seen this in my own life. And what I've seen is that when I've come to that place and I've allowed the external and the internal stories to intersect, my internal story has intersected with your internal story and our stories God takes and God uses together. I want that for you so bad. So this week, seven days, five, 10 minutes a day, read a little bit, ask yourself some questions, and see what God has to say. And we'll pick up right here next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this way today. And I know it's felt more like a seminary class than a church service, but I know how important this is, how important it is for all of us to be able to come to your word and to not just read it, but to be able to experience it and allow it to speak to us in a way that will move us more towards the person you desire and created each one of us to be. I know that that's possible. I thank you for how you've used scripture in my life. And I pray that this week for whoever has the courage to look in the mirror of scripture, I pray that you would help them to answer these questions in their heart and to experience the Bible instead of just reading it. I thank you for this time and I pray your blessing upon everyone who's here and everyone who is at home. And I pray God that in the midst of their circumstance, whatever season of life they may find themselves in, that they would see you as you are and see you as faithful. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love. God bless.